0: to the Plugged In Podcast, a new project from the Institute for Energy Research. To find out more about our work, visit our website at instituteforenergyresearch.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of the Plugged In Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Stevens. I'm a policy analyst here at the Institute for Energy Research. On Monday, July 8th, the EPA published the Affordable Clean Energy Rule, its replacement for the Clean Power Plan. According to the EPA, the ACE rule defines the best system of emission reductions for greenhouse gas emissions from existing power plants as on-site heat rate efficiency improvements.
1: Joining me today to discuss
0: the Clean Power Plan and its replacement, the ACE rule, is Kenny Stein, the Director of Policy here at the Institute for Energy Research. Kenny, thanks for coming in the chat today. Of course. Why don't we start by just giving an overview of uh, just like a quick history of the Clean Power Plan, what that entailed, and then how that played out in the courts and where it stands right now.
1: Right. So the Clean Power Plan was the headline uh, regulatory action by the Obama administration trying to address greenhouse gases, greenhouse gas regulations uh, from existing power plants. So it was... uh, they originally proposed it in 2014, essentially finalized in 2015. Uh, but it was challenged in the courts. And it was ultimately uh, stayed by the Supreme Court, the implementation, because it uh, relied on some novel interpretations of existing uh, EPA authority. So the the first key difference that this Clean Power Plan was from any other previous regulatory activity was that they set emissions reductions for greenhouse gases uh, based on each state. And they said each state had to reduce their greenhouse gases by X percentage. The thing is, is that this had never been done under the Clean Air Act before. Always the historically, you know, the regulatory process would be, you have a power plant, it emits uh, nitrous oxides or sulfur oxides, whatever it's emitting. The regulation comes in and says, you power plant, you need to reduce those to a certain safer threshold. That is the way the law is written, it's very specific, but the Clean Power Plan sought to aggregate that authority over an entire state economy. So you've got dozens, if not hundreds, of electricity generating units that all have different emissions levels, wildly different, in fact. I mean, you know, natural gas is a very different emission from coal, and a newer plant is different from an older plant. But the Clean Power Plan claimed to say that the state just you can do it. You can you know lower it however you want, but you've got to lower everything. And one of the big things that is, again was a very novel uh, application of EPA authority was that this idea that uh, a coal plant or a natural gas plant could buy renewables credits from a wind or solar or somebody that does isn't generating greenhouse gases. That that idea of cross, I mean, under the Clean Air Act, because it regulates airborne particles it actually doesn't really have any application to wind and solar at all because they don't generate cars or particles so th- this was a completely new idea that a a business that is completely outside their regulatory authority could you could order one business to buy credits that s- subsidize a business completely outside the regular so there are there are a lot of very novel uh, ideas that they tried to jam into the clean power plan and the Supreme Court ultimately said, "Yeah, you know what? You're we've gone a little too far here. You need to, we're going to stay this proceeding until we actually litigate whether that's legal or constitutional," and then the Trump administration won and truncated that legal process before it ever right to its final. Back
0: in August of last year, they announced this ACE rule. And- well, and
1: before that, they actually one of the the uh, Trump administration did an executive order at the, the March of twenty seventeen, I think, that said all right we're going to go back and reconsider this and so the the legal proceedings were still ongoing at that point and so the dc circuit had issued repeated stays like we're giving you time to redo it give you time to redo it and then uh they finally have
0: offered their replacement so what does the ace rule do as a replacement for the clean power plan
1: a couple things first of all it's much more uh consistent with the previous understanding of the epa's clean air act authority It regulates each power plant as an individual unit. This, the regulatory term that's normally used is inside the fence versus outside the fence. So it regulates just inside the fence, uh, which is the way the law is actually written. Um, And it also the, its definition of best system of emissions reduction, which is that's the clean power plan requires that um, the opposing best system of emissions reduction, that's what the EPA has to set. And so they decided that this, the best system for that is what they call what's called heat rate improvements which is essentially improving the efficiency of a power plant so that they they generate less emissions for uh each unit of electricity that they're generating
0: what impact will this have on the pace of coal generation retirements is the rule expected to extend the useful life of existing coal plants and then i guess on other um other technologies like natural gas, is it do you foresee this having any impact on any other technologies as well?
1: Yeah, it's obviously the, the Trump administration is intending intending this to help coal power generation plants. Um, it's unlikely, honestly, just get the, the economics of power generation right now are such that natural gas in, in the vast majority of the country is so cheap that there's no one, no one's building a new coal power plant, first of all. and Natural gas is so cheap that it's displacing a lot of existing coal generation, just it's just pure, based on pure economics, even leaving aside the, the regulatory issues from the previous administration. So it might like slightly slow the pace of retirement, but it's not we're not talking about a renaissance in coal power generation. It's it's going to be a continued long, slow slide. Um, there's a few, I mean, the big, the big utilities all honestly, the, you know, they make money by building new things. So they're perfectly happy to replace old depreciated coal plants. Some of the, there's some rural, uh, you know, some of the rural electric co-ops and some of the smaller organizations might be able to use this rule to extend the life of some of their coal power plants. Um, but again, this is, this is at the margins. And actually the, the, the thing about the finalized rule, really the biggest part of the proposed rule that that would have had an effect on extending the life is actually the its new source performance uh, standard that they had proposed making some changes to that regulatory process. Which new source performance is that basically whenever you want to make any change or upgrade to an existing Source that's producing emissions, like a, a coal power plant. There's this huge regulatory process you have to go through. You have to, you know, have to estimate whether it's going to increase emissions. Then you have to talk. You have to file all this paperwork with the EPA. And there's there's there all sorts of hoops you have to jump through. It's extremely expensive, extremely time consuming, and it creates a, an incentive structure where it makes more sense for a coal plant to just keep burning their old dirty systems from 40 years ago rather than trying to make upgrades because it's just so ridiculously expensive. The thing is is that that part of it, that that regulatory reform which is the key for extending the life of coal power plants, uh they left out of the final rule. The Trump administration says they're going to issue it as a separate uh finalized rulemaking uh, at some point in the future. But honestly for to in in my opinion, that is more important—the more important half of that—the proposed rule for extending power plant uh, life, or coal power plant life—then you know the ACE
0: rule itself isn't going to overcome the existing economics. Sure. Is there any expectation of when uh, we would see that rulemaking, or is it just kind of left up in the air? That yeah, it's, it's somewhere there. Down the line? There
1: hasn't been really any indication. Uh, I, they've left it up in the air. Um, I think probably because they don't want. They'd rather. It's probably for litigation purposes. I think they want to trot, litigate the ACE rule and the new source performance separately rather than getting them completed in the same litigation. But yeah, I'm not aware of any sort of timeline on that.
0: Now that the new rules published, uh, it'll take effect on September 6th of this year. And up until then, uh, groups will have an opportunity to file for a judicial review of this. What sort of legal challenges are we likely to see come out of this?
1: Well, of course, I mean, uh, all the environmental groups are suing. They've, a bunch of them have already filed the lawsuits. The key is, is as I said earlier, that the, the ACE rule is actually comports much more with existing the existing understanding of Clean Air Act authority. Uh, the, the Clean Power Plan was very novel. It was trying to stretch gu- federal authority to areas that had never, never been tried before. Um, so as, just as a, on a basic legal footing, the ACE rule, it certainly fits with existing authority. Uh, the one question is going to be uh, whether heat rate improvements, efficiency improvements, uh, are sufficient to count as okay. as because because the key is, is and it's partly this is the nature of greenhouse gases are different. Um, when you're start when you're talking about mercury or sulfur or nitrous oxides, those are those are toxic to people um, in even in relatively low concentrations. So the best systems of emission reduction is all about reducing those to as close to zero as theoretically possible. The thing is, with greenhouse gases, they're not they're not toxic to people. They're not harmful. So, is is increasing efficiency, is generating more electricity f- with less greenhouse gases per unit? Is that you know that's that's improving emissions per electric unit, but it's not. It might not reduce overall greenhouse gases that's obviously the key core of their challenge is that this rule could increase greenhouse gas emissions from these power plants so i don't know that legally that's that is that's i think that's an open question whether reducing emissions per unit of energy counts for purposes of the clean air act reducing emissions and like i say this is the nature of greenhouse gases they're they're very different from this is part of one of the infirmities of using the existing clean air act authority to try and regulate greenhouse gases is that th- it doesn't really fit correctly like the the Green- clean air act was designed for like actual pollutants that are harmful to people and so they're designed to there's no th- for things that there isn't really a, a safe level greenhouse gases though don't hurt people so th- it's not clear that the way the clean air act is written for other things works
0: that way again and this is
1: this is something that's going to end up at the Supreme Court and
0: it's not entirely clear which way that will come out yeah well that's a perfect segue then to my next question Uh, what what about in terms of like addressing broader debates about the role of the administrative state they specifically said that Congress spoke directly in Chevron step one term so bringing in the Chevron discussion here is the, the fact that they've written a rule in that very specific way is that setting this up for a Supreme court battle that where we finally make a decision on Chevron deference.
1: Right. Well, certainly the, the, the clean power plan, uh, had it made it all the way to the Supreme court, that would have been, a, that would have been the opportunity for Chevron deference discussion, just because they were trying to go so far beyond what had ever been complicated, comp- contemplated. And they were claiming deference for that right to go so far. Now, with the ACE rule, though, because it's actually so much more within the explicit statutory authority of the Clean Air Act, it's probably not going to be a great opportunity for deference. However, as I was saying, the discussion about what does best system of emission reduction mean, that could be an opportunity for the court to say, I mean, EPA gets to define this. Like you, you Sierra Club, don't get to define what best system of emission reduction is. But of course, the you know the that would involve the a Chevron relatively Chevron skeptical conservative majority uh, deferring to the EPA, which are, will they will they do that? Uh, oh, and, and this could also scramble the normal the normal lines because the liberals normally always want to defer to the agencies. Uh, the so-called conservative wing, you know, are usually skeptical. This might flip that positioning, uh, so. Again, I'm not sure that this one necessarily... Usually usually the cases with unique circumstances or egregious circumstances are the ones where you sometimes get these big movements, like a thing like Chevron. When you start, when you know, if an agency is like really abusing a private citizen over something ridiculous and claiming deference for it, that's the kind of thing where you expect that they might take the opportunity to blow it up because it's just such egregious misuse of power. In this circumstance, this is a pretty restrained use of regulatory authority, So I'm not sure that it necessarily becomes a Chevron deference thing, but it's the, it's a type of big case that uh, if five justices feel like they want to make a change, this is, it is an opportunity. And this will be going to the Supreme Court. It's like, it's going to get to the Supreme Court somehow.
0: Just to conclude in the broad scheme of things, how big of a deal is this rule? Um, obviously rolling back the, Clean Power Plan was an important step in uh, stepping away from some of the Obama-era policies. But in terms of emissions reduction and what we've actually seen over the past couple of years, a lot of that's just being driven by the shift to natural gas that right. you uh, talked about earlier.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, overall, the United States actually is might even make... It's emission, the emissions reduction targets under under the clean power plan without a clean power plan, like because of the natural economics of what we were talking about earlier. So, and as I said, it's unlikely to slow the ACE rule is unlikely to do much to change the the pace of retirement of coal plants. So, uh, you know, in the in the overall emission scheme and economic scheme, I'm not sure that it it. Changes that much from the trajectory we're already on, just because the Clean Power Plan never went into effect. You know, if we were talking about actually repealing a a regulation that had gone to effect, there'd be—you'd obviously there'd be a lot more uh, obvious effects. However, I do think from an overall uh, scope and power of the federal government, this this is an important statement because the Clean Power Plan was a massive overreach. Even even Lawrence Tribe, one of the most lefty law professors out there, even he claim was you know going before congress and arguing before the supreme court that this was unconstitutional was a massive overreach of federal power. So in that sense it's to redefine that actually you know federal government EPA your power is not unlimited. I do think that's an important statement. And frankly this just reemphasizes and this was there's this discussion during the clean power plan it was part of the uh, litigation attacking it was that if Congress decides that um, greenhouse gases are an existential threat, are that dangerous, and need to be regulated, Congress needs to pass a law to do it. You, trying to shoehorn greenhouse gases into a bunch of existing authorities that are really meant to do other things is, is one is stretching, stretching the boundaries of the law and the Constitution. Two, it's extremely inefficient because you're, you're coming at it from the back door. And, and thirdly, it's, it's, frankly, it's undemocratic. Like if, if Congress thinks it's important, Congress needs to pass a law. And if Congress if Congress can't agree on it, then it probably means that the American people aren't agreed on it. And that means we need to, you know, you need to you need to persuade people and win some elections and rather than trying to do things by regulatory fiat.
0: I guess today has been Kenny Stein, our policy director here at the Institute for Energy Research. You can read more about this topic and many others at our website, instituteforenergyresearch.org.